Wahine. Wahine. I, I'm excited for this series. Really, God really laid this, this series on my heart. I, I'm passionate about the Wahine. Not just the, the Wahine in the Bible, but all Wahine involved in ministry, all women involved in ministry. Uh, they paved the way, and uh, Elliot is sharing that about the 70s when Elliot was uh, just a young man of 30 years old, age in the 70s, is that right? Um, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. And this, is, this, is, this series is about, we're not, not only are we celebrating women in the Bible, but also women in ministry. Uh, and it's amazing, and it's, for far too long, women have been silenced, silenced, unfortunately, in the church, which is strange. When we look at the narrative in the Bible, it's, the narrative of the Bible, this is, we shouldn't even head down this direction. But because of the institution called the church, not the church as the body, but as the institution, we've kind of strayed down these kind of strange ways. How do we end up into this kind of place where women are being silenced and marginalized? And, and, and one way to look at it, what did women actually do in our Bibles? If you've got your Bible, we, if you have a look at what women actually did in the narrative of what we call the Bible, you know what they did? They did a, they, not only did they exercise leadership, but they spoke for God as prophets. And in the New Testament, we find that they were gifted by God's Spirit to do such things as teaching, church planting, and leading. And if women were able to do that in, the, in, in our Bibles, surely they can do that in our church today. But yet for, so, for some churches, women are only seen and not heard. And where women are only confined to, to women's ministry or children's ministry, but where did all that come from? And if you're looking for a subtitle to this message, the, the message is The Silencing of Woman. The Silencing of Woman. Um, I had another title, but I decided to use this one. My, my other title I was going to use was called Sex Change. Sex Change. Anyway, I, I realized I liked it more than what the message should be called, so I just went back to Listen to God, and, and, I, and I went down the silencing of a woman. So anyway, so with, with all the amazing things that the woman had done in the Bible, it all came to a screeching, grinding halt because of this interpretation of a certain, of one verse in the entire Bible found in the New Testament that brought about the, the silence of, of the voice of women in our churches. I'm not going to speak about this verse. This verse is, if you want to know that verse, is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. I'm not going to share about this verse today. I spoke about this verse last year in a series we did, God Behaving Badly. And if you want to hear that message where I kind of pulled that verse apart, what, are that, what does that mean for us today? Um, how do we interpret, interpret this one verse that seems to contradict the entire biblical narrative? And that series was called God Behaving Badly. And the title of that message was, Is God Sexist? Is God sexist? So if you want to listen, I encourage you to listen back to that message. This is kind of part two to that message, Silencing a Woman, part two to that message. And that was last year in November, so either on our Facebook page or go to our, our podcast, and it's back in November. November the 1st was the date. Have a look, listen to that, and where is God sexist? Um, great series. I really enjoyed God behaving badly. But women have been silenced uh, through just about every people group's in the entire world. It's not just in the church. In fact, it's, it's, it's just been going on and on and on for ages. In fact, amazingly, on the 19th of September, 1893, do you know, does anybody know what that date is quite significant for? 19th of September, 1893, in New Zealand, where we became the first nation in the world where we allowed women to vote. Gave women the right to vote in par par parliamentary 
elections, the first country in the world for that to happen. And that was back in, what, 1893, the first country. And still today, women are still struggling to find equality, even in the workplace. Uh, when we just take a look at, at um, the average wage, and still men outrank, way outrank the, um, um, the, the woman. But where did all that come from? Why is it that there seems to be this, 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 this kind of, where, where, where men seem to want to dominate women? Where did all this come from? And if for us to understand that, and understand how that is, is in, within our societies, not just in Western societies, but societies right across the globe, where did all that come from? That stems from the beginning, the Garden of Eden. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And this is what we read. Then God said, let us make mankind. And the Hebrew word for mankind is the word Adam or Adam, the Adam. The word Adam, Adam, means humanity or mankind. That's what, the word, that's what Adam means. Adam means humanity. Adam means mankind. That's, that's what Adam means, the Adam. So then God said, let us make the Adam in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea. So who, who is the Adam meant to rule over? Over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The Adam, humanity, was not meant to rule over other people. I'm talking about slavery. I'm talking about gender. That was not part of God's original creation. None of that. Humanity was never meant to rule over people, lord it over people, to have power over people. That, was, that is not part of God's original creation. Verse 27, so God created the Adam in his image. In the, in the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. Then chapter 2, verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, some say men are still sleeping today. Um, while he was <laughs> in the deep, who loves to sleep? Anybody love to sleep here? Yeah. Who feels they haven't got enough sleep? You know, you know, you can sleep in every day. Did you know that? I, I can give you a tip. You, you want a tip to sleep in every day? The key to sleeping in every day is to go to bed earlier. Yeah, go to bed earlier, you get to sleep in. There you go. Words of wisdom. Here we go. Here we carry on. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, it means stop watching Netflix, he took one of the man's ribs. It's really interesting because in Hebrew, it's not the word rib. It's not the Hebrew word for rib here. The Hebrew word is side. He took man's side. That's what the Hebrew word says. He took the man's side. So he took, so while he was sleeping, he took, the man's side, and he closed, it up, closed that place up with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from his side. That's the Hebrew word, from his side. It just takes the side. Just, he's sleeping and it just grabs. Kind of like, I can't imagine, like, Adam, is, he's sleeping like this, and he goes, God goes like this, pulls him apart. Yeah, and then he just re reforms it. That's just kind of the image that I have. And sometimes it can be very zombie-like. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. And then... So the Lord made the woman from the man's side. He taken out of man. He brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Because when he first saw, when, when Adam first saw Eve, he goes, whoa, 
man. And this is where we get the word woman from. Okay, okay, anyway. <laughs> she shall be called woman, Isha, Hebrew word, Isha, for she was taken out of Ish, man. Puro is, is the ha to my Ish, my Isha. Okay, anyway. Verse, just keep going, eh? Keep, my wife keeps something. You don't have to say everything comes in your mind. Just keep moving forward. Verse 24. That is why the man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So God makes the Adam in his image, and he, and he brings this creation. So if you can just put that slide up, please, Lyle. So And so he makes, he, he, he makes Adam in his image. And we just about there. You want to chuck that slide on, please, Law? At the back. There, here we go. Anyway, it's, getting, it's coming. It's on its way. So God makes the Adam in his image. So what does he do? We got the Adam. And what does God do? The Adam. What does he do? God splits the Adam. That's what he does. He splits the Adam. It wasn't Ernest Rutherford. It was God. He split the Adam. Splits him in two. So God creates the one, the Adam. He splits the one and he makes two. But what does he do? He brings them back together and makes one again. So man and woman together make humanity. Man and woman together make mankind. We are humanity together. One together. Mutual. The original creation was, 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 mutual, mutual, was to be mutual. <laughs> wants to be mutual coming together as one the, the Ezra the Ezra connector is, is what, what, what Hirana said in the first series that the Ezra coming together one the helper coming together as one so God splits splits the two and it's about oneness and it's this relation God creates humanity in his image the Father, Son and Holy Spirit three and one so man and woman come together as one oneness this is what it looks like, God's creation, is oneness, where we come in and where we enjoy God's Eden-like world and oneness in His kingdom, where this Eden-like kingdom will go on to be called the kingdom of God within the biblical narrative. And so here we have until something happened, when, when humanity chose, preferred another world to God's Eden-like world, when they took for themselves what was good and, and evil in their own right, and men seized for themselves, and, and in doing so, they, they, they said, we do not trust what God tells us what is good and right. I'm going to choose for myself. And, and humanity chooses for themselves. Isn't that what we do? We choose what's right and wrong in our own eyes. No one's going to tell me what to do. And we choose. We, we, we make the decision. This is what's right, and we seize it. And what do we find in, in the, the Genesis narrative? We find Adam and Eve hiding from one another. Why? Because they find themselves naked. Where we, had that, where we had Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now all of a sudden they took bite of the fruit. Now there is shame. There's broken relationship. Where relationship has, come, has died. Instead of having oneness, there is now otherness. And that's what happens when we begin to, to continue down a path of otherness. That is, oh, you can't tell me what to do. It's why we have issues in our workplaces, issues in our marriage, and we still have otherness instead of oneness. Instead of working together, it's still otherness. It's me. It's me, myself, and I. And I'm looking after what's, what's, what's right for me, and, the, and this oneness is no longer. 
So we read here a prediction of what life will be like. And in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, it describes it. To the woman, God said, I will make your pain and childbearing very severe, and with painful labor you will give birth to children. Here's a verse. Your desire will be for your husband, and he, what, what, what is he going to do? He will rule over you. Now we need to understand something. Is, is this God's original plan for mankind? This is the result of what's called the fall, the fall of humanity, where man decided, humanity chose, decided to choose for themselves. And because of that, all of a sudden, we have where men versus women, women versus men of this fight, this battle of wills. Instead of oneness, we have otherness. Rivalry for power. The full, distorted mutuality by turning woman and man against each other. But you know what the good news is? The good news is that this broken creation this broken creation of, of Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, is not a permanent condition. It was never meant to be a permanent condition because God begins to set in place His re- redemptive plan of oneness and mutuality, not hierarchy and war of wills. Genesis three sixteen speaks of a fallen human seeking to control other people. Isn't that what we want to do? Quite often it's about control, controlling someone else, controlling our husbands, controlling our wives, controlling our children. Controlling, controlling in our workplace. We want to take control. This whole thing of, 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 of man, versus, man versus man, woman versus woman. This, instead of oneness, there's otherness taking place. But God sets in, in, in motion. And when Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old the fall has gone. The new creation is here. And you know, what's really interesting is that, that when a, a Jewish man would go to the, to the temple, he would pray this prayer. And the prayer would basically go, this, praise God that I was born a Jew and not a Gentile, that I was born free and not a slave. And praise God that I was born a man and not a woman. This was their prayer. And the reason why, reason this prayer was is because if they were born any of those, they wouldn't be able to take part in God's temple. And, and, the, and the, this, this temple was a picture of, of getting close to God. And, and their, their goal was, I want to be as close to God as possible. So Paul begins to bring this reversal, saying the kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is not, a, not about them and us. It's about all humanity coming back together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new has come. And, he go, and, and the Apostle Paul begins to say this, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. And he reverses this order, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul, the Apostle Paul begins to reverse this order. He goes, no, 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 no. There's, there's none of that. We're all one. There's, and it, Because the, the, the old way was otherness. And God said, this new creation that, through Jesus Christ brings oneness of coming back together. But you know what's really interesting is this, this phrase that we've got for you, you are all one in Christ. But before that, where it says, nor is there male and female. Well, the literal translation is not exactly that. Well, here it is. <laughs> the literal translation is no male and female. 
That is the little translation. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, no male and female. That's the little translation, no male and female. What's Apostle Paul doing here? What he's doing is he's, 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 he's hyperlinking us back to Genesis chapter 1. The Adam. The order. The Adam. Back, the oneness, where God takes the one and he, and he divides the one into two, but then he brings the two back together into one. This oneness. The back in, that, that God is, is bringing this, this redemption back to humanity. This oneness of coming back together again and is found in Christ Jesus. Jesus brings us back together. This otherness back to oneness. That in, that in Jesus we find oneness again. See, but here's the thing. As believers, what do we live under? Do we live under the four? What was the four? Was otherness. Do we live under the four, the otherness, or where, where, where the desire of the woman is the desire of husband and, and for man to rule over the woman? Or do we live under the new creation? There's, there is no woman nor man, for we are one in Christ Jesus. The new creation undoes the fall, brings us back in unity, where man seeks to control women by silencing them permanently in the church. We stand face to face with a contradiction of the very thing that the new creation is designed to accomplish, to undo the fall. What does it mean for us? It means that ministry is not reserved just for men. It means your daughter, your niece, your granddaughter, your wife, your mum, your grandmum, if they are gifted and filled by the Spirit of God, can lead and pastor a church. They can church plant. They can teach. Because here's the thing. Who do we say, who do we allow to define us? Who do we allow to silence us? So regardless if you're a woman or a man, I'm talking to everybody in this room, your past does not define you. Your relationships do not define you. People do not define you. Who defines you is God. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the author and perfecter of your story. You know, some people can try to silence you. Who do you think you are? God can't use you. Look at you. You come from Mangare. All the guys from Mangare over there. Represent 275. You got no place to be here in Hamilton. Your past does not define you. People don't define you. But it's the Spirit of God who is at work in your life defines you. It's time not to be silent. It's time to let your voice sing and let it sing. Do you know who Junior is? Junior is a woman apostle. Did you know that? Junior, 
a woman apostle. There should be a name. We should all know this woman. But she too was silenced by the church. We read in Romans 16, 7, Greet Adronicus and Junior, my fellow Jew who have been in prison with me. They are, are, are outstanding amongst the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. The apostle Paul praises Junior as a woman apostle. In fact, he says that she is outstanding amongst the, the apostles. As an apostle, she preached, she taught, she led, she church planted, and apparently she was very good at it. See, being a woman had little to do with it. In fact, being a woman had nothing to do with it. What mattered were her intelligence, her giftedness, her calling. But recently, in the last hundred years, Junior was silenced in the church. Because this new kind of logic started to happen within the church. It was all strange. They would read Romans chapter 16 and 17. Yes, this person was an apostle. But here's the problem. Women can't be apostles. How, how can she be an apostle? She can't be an apostle because women have been silenced. But yet the apostle Paul writes this. Hashtag apostle gone mad. What's going on, apostle Paul? This doesn't make sense. So you know what, you know what happened? Her name was changed. It was altered. It was given the masculine version of the name, Junius. This was a sex change operation by way of redaction. There it is, sex change. I got it in there. The very first sex change happened in the Bible. Not by the writers, but back in 1927. In the 13th edition of the Coppicite Greek New Testament, Abraham Nestle silenced Junior and gave birth to a new Christian made-up name, Junius. I say made-up name, Junius. Because that, that name was made up. No one had that name in the ancient world. That name did not exist. It's like taking the word Sarah. Junior was a very popular woman's name just like Sarah, Michelle, Linda. But they made up this new name. It's like taking the name Sarah and trying to make, if you try to take Sarah and make Sarah a masculine name, what would it sound like? Sarad? That's what they did. They changed it. Sarad. There's a problem. There's no one called Sarad. No one ever used that name because it doesn't exist. Abraham Nestle's silence junior. You know how he did it? He replaced Junior with Junius, and he put Junior in the footnotes. Nestle buried Junior alive. And by 1979, Junior was simply erased out of the footnotes. The editors of the Greek New Testament killed Junior they killed her by silencing her into non-existence. They murdered that innocent woman by erasing her from the footnotes. 
But there's some good news here. When we read the Bible, what's amazing is that people raised from the dead. And Junior has been raised from the dead. Because in 1998, the Jubilee edition of Nestle's work reinstated Junior, the woman, back into the text. And Junius has disappeared. Because Junius never existed. Has anyone heard of Chris Austin? John Chris Austin. Sounds like a wrestling name. John Chris Austin. Anyway, if I was a wrestler, that would be my new wrestling name. John Chris Austin. John Chris Austin. <laughs> was born in 349 AD. He was a church father, one of the many church fathers, the writing church fathers that we are privileged to get a lot of our theology written during that time. He was a Greek. He was, not only was he Greek, he was fluent in Greek because he was Greek. That's right. He was, in fact, he was closer to the Apostle Paul's language than any, any one of us would be today. And Chris Sostom wrote this commentary about Junior, and this is what he writes about Junior. This is what he writes back in the fourth century. He writes this. To be an apostle is a great thing, but to be outstanding among the apostles, just think of the wonderful song of praise that is. They are outstanding on the basis of their works and virtuous action. Indeed, how great the wisdom of this woman must have been that she was even deemed worthy of the, of the title of apostle. Here we have a church father. Because let me tell you something, every single translation that we have stand, that stands all the way back there, all the way out, up to the 19th century, has Junior, the woman, until 1927. This is what I want you to do. If you've got your Bibles, open up your Bibles. Have a look at Romans chapter 16, verse 7. If you haven't got one here, go home if you find one there. And if you open up your Bible and you come to Romans chapter 6, verse 7, and if you see the name Junius, this might sound sacrilege, I want you to cross that name out. And I want you to write in Junior. Or any woman that has fought the good fight of the gospel. Could be your grandmother. Could be your mother. Who knows what it's like to be silenced in the church. I don't know. Did, who got pastor? I don't know if you know this, but Pastor PJ here. She is our pastoral care pastor. Did you know that Pastor PJ was the very first senior pastor of an Elam church anywhere in the country? And the Elam movement, the very first senior pastor. What year was that? 2000 and 2004. Took that long, even within the Elam movement. 2004. And you're going to hear more of that story next week when she preaches. But it, even during that time, for 13 years as a senior pastor, she faced many challenges of people trying to silence her, silence her voice. I think of. Lois McGregor, 
She's a, she's a current and the very first woman elder within this church. She's been elder now for how many years? Maybe seven years. This church turned 60 this year, but it took that long before we had a woman elder. Now think of my amazing wife, Poro, who leads this church with me as a senior pastor. Could I say I couldn't do what I could do without her? We've got different giftings. If my gifting was singing and hers was preaching, our roles would be reversed. Be glad I'm not singing. <laughs> Just be glad. You know, in some churches, in some churches, she wouldn't even be allowed to lead in worship because she's a woman. And women can't lead men. But God has gifted her just like God has gifted you. Every person in this room, you have been gifted. The Spirit of God is within you. Don't let anybody or anything try to silence your voice because you're not from the right family, because of your past. None of those define, don't let anyone define you, but let God be the definer and the author of your story because you have a song to sing. You have a gift to share. And it's time to not be silent. And it's time to stand and take hold of your birthright. Come on, let us pray.